Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. With summer camp set to begin for the Michigan football team, we discuss the key storylines, positional battles, off-field issues, and the team's strengths and weaknesses. All of this as the COVID-19 cloud hangs over college football. We cover it all on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. All right, guys, right back at it. Back-to-back podcasting days, you know, the NBA, they, they do it. They just started off with their back-to-backs. You guys, uh, you guys ready? Yeah, as ready as I'll, I'll ever be. <laughs> one, uh, one, uh, you know, we, we did mention our golf uh, game yesterday, and I, I, we didn't discuss it for long. I said no one wants to hear about it, and yet here I am on the second day bringing it up right off the bat. But I want to tell Aaron and our listeners about the best moment from my round with, with Ryan yesterday. He has a guy's a good golfer, nice swing, but he did have an approach shot just completely. I don't remember what hole it was, uh, completely shank it from one side of the rough to the other. I mean, it went more sideways <laughs> than forward. Okay, it was his worst shot uh, of the day. Okay, he's going over to his ball with his, you know, pull cart, and the wheels literally come <laughs> off of the cart that he's pulling. Uh, so, you know, and it was just, I just hear him kind of you know what's going on i look back and the wheel is off and his <laughs> bag is on the floor and it's just uh, just a complete disaster uh, it, was, it was a funny moment but he recovered within a very nice approach shot after that so i mean it didn't uh didn't phase him but it was funny to see it was yeah i thought it was gonna be a bad omen yeah but uh <laughs> Anyway, here we are for a second straight uh, podcast to talk about Michigan football. What are they calling it? Summer camp, uh, just kind of preseason training camp. Preseason camp, fall camp. People like to call it fall camp, but it's not fall. I mean, they're preparing for the fall, but it's technically not the fall. Preseason camp. But I guess just just, just to kind of the definition, what what is different about tomorrow, Friday, August 7th, than you know, previous weeks leading up to this, because we've heard about workouts and, you know, players getting together, what, what is going to be different come, come Friday the 7th? Yeah, they'll be allowed to kind of really have practice. Up until this point, it's been more team meetings and strength and conditioning workouts and walkthroughs. You know, they, they have been allowed to do walkthroughs with the, with the football uh, the last couple of weeks, and now they can actually kind of do full-on practices. Now, they, they will have a few days where they, they'll go without pads. It's, it's kind of an acclimation period or the say rules, but this is essentially the ramp up to the season. They're going to get, they'll start in the position battles. They'll have, you know, work with, they'll try and figure out who the starters will be, et cetera, et cetera. So this is really the, the, the work way, uh, the ramp up to the, the, the season opener September 5th against Purdue. You know, Aaron wrote a pretty, you know, thorough story that was up on MLive.com today about, you know, the, the things to watch, kind of the things that we're going to discuss on this podcast. You know, if you noticed, it was it was marked as a subscriber exclusive story starting today, actually, uh, on MLive.com. That tag subscriber exclusive uh, means just that, that if you want to read it, uh, you have to subscribe with the exception of one article per month. You can get one, one for free. But after that, um, anything that's marked that will require a subscription. You know, it's pretty it would be pretty clear how how to do that easier than me explaining it, uh, you know, in audio form here because you'll you'll just see a message pop up on your screen when you hit that paywall. Um, and I believe I believe the cost is ten a month or a hundred for a year. I don't know if there's any differing subscription levels that you can get. Again, you'll see this when you when you go in there. But uh, yeah, you know, we encourage people to do that because you know some of our stories. I can't give a specific number or percentage, but you know, will be will be marked you know, as, as subscriber exclusive and can't access it otherwise. And, and we'd hate for you to miss out on any of the, 
that the content that we're producing. And, and I think that could include the the text subtext service that we offer as well. That's a good question. I don't think so, but I don't know. <laughs> um, here, here's what I tell people, though. If you find yourself reading on live often, every day, multiple things a day, or you, keep, you find yourself reading our coverage quite a bit, we, we encourage you to, to, to pay the money. You know, we've this industry for, for a long time now has given away content and articles for free online um, because back in the day, you paid for newspaper subscription. You either paid at the newsstand or you paid for, for it to be delivered. So you're paying in some way. Um, for a long time now, we've given articles away for free. And as an industry, not just online, but as an industry as a whole, uh, that model is, is beginning to change. So even if you know you think, well, maybe you shouldn't want, you don't want to pay or you shouldn't pay, chances are if your favorite news outlet that you go to on a regular basis or you find yourself reading often hasn't put, hasn't started charging you, will begin soon. So anyway, that that's my spiel. Um, if you read our read if you read our coverage and you want to support us, I, I encourage you and I, I welcome you to, to, to subscribe. And it's not just our, our Wolverines content as well. I mean, we have other sports content that, that's exclusive, uh, other news content. I mean, our, our coverage of COVID-19 related stories uh, has been very thorough throughout this, this whole time. So Oh yeah, you get you get more than just this our Wolverine stories with uh with by subscribing. So yeah, one of those uh again, that the story that's up right now uh from Aaron is kind of what we're gonna be talking about now. And I mean the the top storyline for for camp for Michigan, for Ohio State, for Florida State, for UCLA, any team anywhere in the country is gonna be, you know, is there going to be a football season? Can they actually play the games? And we, we kind of covered this at length in, in yesterday's episode. So if you want to hear more about that, I, I would check check out that episode from, from August 5th. But I don't know. Is there, any, is there anything that came up since then? Or, or kind of if one of you could kind of recap that discussion in the, in the best way, um, you know, before we move on to the next topic, I welcome you to do so. Yeah, I don't think there's been a whole lot of new info, but I will say, you know, it's going to come down to, I think, obviously the division one level and then the conference level. It seems at this point that the Big Ten is moving forward as they they unveiled the schedule yesterday, they unveiled mm-hmm. their testing protocol. The plan as of right now, as of today, uh, I think is to try and play these games. Now, whether they do or not remains to be seen. The virus continues to spread across the United States. We've seen outbreaks with, with football teams, including in the Big Ten with Rutgers. Um, some, I think six programs, big 10 teams have, have shut down their voluntary workouts at some point over the summer. Uh, so the virus is still around. It's still going to impact uh, sports and our country as a whole for the next six to 12 months, depending on when, when, if and when a vaccine shows up. So I, I guess the, the working idea here is, you know, they're going to try and play football. It's, they're going to give it a go, but whether or not they can start the season and or finish it uh, is clearly, you know, murky at this point. I really wish we just have like a fast forward button and just get to another like month from now and, and see like, all right, are we playing football or not? Um, this whole seems like daily routine of like optimism, pessimism, kind of throwing in a blunder is, is kind of starting to weigh on people. So I'm, I'm just ready to hopefully cover some football this year in a safe, safe manner. But it's again, only time will tell. So let's say they, they, they decide, you know, this, this can be done. Games will happen. Uh, that doesn't mean every individual player is going to be suiting up. And, and that's another question, you know, Aaron posed, which is, you know, will there be opt-outs? And I mean, the answer we already know is yes, because we've seen it in the Big Ten. And I, I think it's just, you know, you can almost compare it to, you know, the, the the bowl games where, you know, players were opting out. But this is this is much more serious and going to be much more widespread. 
you know, I think boycotts and, you know, you know, refusing to play for, for any reason, you know, in, in the past at, you know, certainly at basketball at the NCAA tournament, the final four, there's always been rumors of these things happening, you know, more over fair rights and, and kind of name image, right? Like likeness topics more so than, than anything with the pandemic. But the bottom line is what the NCAA, what these schools always had working in their favor is that players really want to play. It's really hard at the end of the day to kind of sit out these games because, you know, that's what they live for. That, that, that's just so important to them. It's almost hard to kind of, you know, get them to, to sit out, but it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to sit out when, you know, the appeal of playing is, is much less because of a pandemic, not to mention, and I think this is important, there'd be less judgment from, from the outside. Yeah. I think it'll just be, it'll just be really interesting. There's some actual concern here, um, you know, with, with health, and yeah, I think there'll just be less judgment, um, you know, from people, you know, if, if anyone does sit out, which I think does factor in. So definitely interesting to watch. It is. And we've already seen, you mentioned a couple of big 10 guys have already announced that they're going to sit out the season and some of the best players in the league, or at least forecast to be some of the best, you know, Rashad Bateman at Minnesota, he was the big 10's wide receiver of the year last year, projected first round pick in the NFL draft last year. He's announced he's not going to play. Uh, he's going to begin preparation for the draft. Um, Michael Parsons, a linebacker at Penn State, again, one of the best linebackers in the conference, again, a potential early, early draft pick. Yeah, reports have come out that he is, is planning on, not, on sitting out. And then just yesterday, uh, defensive end at Michigan State, Jacob Panishuk, announced that he is going to sit out. The point I was trying to make is, is I'm wondering if there are any Michigan players that are thinking the same thing. You know, Michigan does have a potential first round pick. Uh, in next year's draft, at least forecasted to be one in Jalen Mayfield, the offensive lineman. Now, I think he's in a different situation because he's projected to be a first round pick based on his, his upside. He hasn't necessarily shown it. He, he, he played well last year, but I think there still needs to be that year of he needs to have a really good, solid full year. I, I brought up a couple names in the post um, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this and see if there's any other, other guys you think of. But two names that really stuck out to me from from a, from a skill standpoint and from a forecast NFL draft standpoint, because as of right now, obviously the coronavirus concerns are weigh heavily on these decisions, but these guys are the guys that have announced it so far, most of them at least are potential early first round or draft picks. So that they're worried about their stock and, and their health. Um, that shouldn't really make I sense. I mean, if you think about it, there shouldn't be just an NFL draft uh, factor here. Like, I mean, you know, let's, let's just look at the Michigan football team. You got how many guys that are actually going to get drafted each year? I mean, maybe, you know, five, six, seven, 10, 11, 12, you know, in a, in a giant year or whatever. Fine. How many of those people, you, you got to then multiply that by two or three as far as people that think they might be able to get drafted. Probably every starter on both sides of the ball thinks they can get drafted and maybe even their backup, you know, if they're an underclassman, thinks they have that potential fine. I'll give you that. I'll give you that times two. That still leaves, you know, 50, 60, however many players that I think even they know deep down the NFL is not, is not going to happen for them. You would think some of those players then, why, why wouldn't they still be considering opting out? Why has it only been these highest profile players? It shouldn't necessarily, you know what I mean? If, if there's concern. I, I, think, over. I think they're looking at it from a standpoint of if they put enough play on film to show NFL scouts and, and NFL personnel that they're they're capable of being a first round pick. They look at it like there's a lot of money on the table that okay. they're, they go first round. They can make X million dollars a year. And if they play this year and get injured and or sick, likely, you know, they're looking at it from the COVID perspective and sick and 
the issue is we don't know long-term health ramifications mm-hmm. from this virus. We've heard that time and again, you know, it could, it could affect the heart, it could affect all these different things. Lungs. So they look at like lost, yeah, lost money in, in the long run. I think that's why they're looking at it from that perspective. But you're right. I think everyone, every player on a football roster and every school should be looking at it from a health perspective, whether or not they should or should not be playing. But from an NFL draft perspective, I, I think there's, at least in my opinion, you guys can disagree, feel free. I've got two names that are sticking out to me. Nico Collins, who his name has come up now in the draft. I thought he could have could have went declared for the draft after last year. I think his talent and his size are good enough. His name has come up with NFL draft scouts and analysts. They think he could be an early early round guy. And then Ben Mason. Ben Mason, I think, has maxed out his potential in college from a, from a, from an athletic standpoint. He's a solid fullback. He comes from Michigan. I think Mel Kiper had him first on the best available fullbacks next year's draft. I think he's done enough to show that he could play in the NFL already. Um, so those are the two names that stuck out to me. I don't know if you guys have ideas, thoughts on those, or you have ideas or other guys that, from an NFL draft perspective, may may want to sit out. Yeah, I mean, it's, regarding Nico Collins, I 100% agree on, on that. I mean, he by far makes the most sense to me um, to possibly maybe sit out because, like you said, I think he's been Michigan's best receiver over the past two years. Um, he has the the size of an NFL receiver. The Ben Mason pick, I mean. Even even if you're the top ranked fullback, I mean, what does that equate to in terms of being a, a NFL draft pick? I mean, that could mm-hmm. still be a sixth, seventh rounder. Um, and just know, um, we talked to, with Ben Mason in the past. I mean, this guy is a football nut. I mean, he's in the weight room, seems like twenty four seven. Um, just looks like a pure football junkie. And just knowing, kind of knowing how he is personally, it just seems hard to imagine him possibly sitting out. Um, and I, I, yeah, probably couldn't help his stock that much. But I mean. I think if you're if you're not an early round pick, I mean, I think you can, I don't know, maybe show more, maybe some more versatility. Maybe he'll have a big carve out a bigger role this year. Um, so I, I don't know too much about. Uh, I don't know if I see Ben Mason sitting out, but yeah, other than that, it, it's it's hard to tell because you don't know. I think the most likely reason for people sitting out will be players with family health issues or health issues that we don't know, or personal health issues that we don't know about. And we probably won't find out about it until they actually announce. Right. That's a, this is what I was saying. Like, to be clear, I don't, I get why NFL, you know, prospects might, might decide to sit out the season. I just don't understand. There'd be no reason to believe that there wouldn't be other players walk-ons who also wouldn't right, sit out right. you know, for the, for, for different reasons, but you know, well, for the same reason, worried about COVID, but worried about it just strictly from, Hey, I, I, I want to be a healthy person going forward, not, I want to be healthy so that I can play in the NFL. So I did that. That was my only point. And, and maybe it's just that those aren't being publicized. They don't have the social media following. They haven't felt the need to maybe even make it public that they're, that they're sitting out, you know, and there's still a month until the season starts. I mean, I, I, right, right. I start practice and then if you see it break out and you're on your team or elsewhere in the conference and you start having second thoughts, like, is this smart to do? Is it, should we continue? Should we still be doing this? Right. And I, I think the one name that does make sense is because we've written about it and, and their parents have kind of been uh, become national news is, is Chris Hinton and yep. uh, his parents have both come out and spoken openly about uh, their concerns about college football being played and, and the NCAA's lack of leadership in, in creating a safe environment for these athletes. And so if there's one player that kind of makes sense from that standpoint is maybe Chris Hinton would, would sit out. I think, I think their parents might've mentioned that he might have like a asthma history or some, something um, of that nature too, which, which, yeah, which is a health con- condition that is associated with, with COVID-19 and you want to avoid contracting the virus with certain 
previous health condition. So that, that's one to me that would make sense as far as, um, yeah, draft eligible players. Yeah, you mentioned Jalen Mayfield. I think he has a lot more to prove before he becomes a, a high a high round pick. I mean, last year was his first year as a starter. Uh, I think the other underclassman who could be drafted uh, next year pretty high is Aiden Hutchinson, and he's kind of in the same boat. He showed a lot of promise as a sophomore, but I think it, it he would be able to improve that stock too with another breakout uh, or improve on a, a strong junior year as well. And I mean, his dad's a, a doctor, if I'm not mistaken, too. So I guess maybe there, that maybe that's a, another dynamic. I don't know if there's any family pull there. I'm not really sure. But Aiden's another guy that seems like a, a football nut that would just lives in, in breeze to, to play football, too. So, yeah, it, it's going to be I'm sure there will be a few players, but it's hard to tell really at this point who might sit out. Yeah. All right. So there might not be a season. There might be a season and certain players sit out. But hey, let's talk about the quarterback situation. Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton are the two names to watch in this race. But to me, really, Dylan McCaffrey is the guy, especially with a shortened you know, offseason and limited opportunities for for reps like one of these guys has actually seen the, the field, you know, in s- significant action, and one has not. I mean, it's not like McCaffrey has a wealth of experience. I looked it up, it you know, appeared in 13 games, 35 pass attempts, but, you know, that's still three times as many pass attempts as, as Milton has had, so which is most of which has come in mop-up duty. McCaffrey has actually seen, you know, seen the field, um, you know, when, when Patterson has gone down in, you know, the first half of games. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's his job to lose, but still it's a season which in which Michigan does not return their previous year starter. So it's the position battle to watch. No, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think a, an elongated regular off season would have helped Joe Milton. And I think I've written this ad nauseum. It feels like mm-hmm. um, to prove the coaching staff that he can handle it. And he's, he's gotten his accuracy issues, you know, fixed and his arm strength is obviously a huge, you know, a, a, a good thing for him. Uh, but he's just not, I don't think he's going to have enough time to prove himself. I mean, if they start practice on Friday as, as, as scheduled as planned, I mean, the first game is essentially in like 29 days, four weeks. Yeah. Um, so Michigan coaching staff knows more, more about Dylan McCaffrey. They've seen him longer. They've seen him in, in better situations for, for the better part of the last couple of years. He was essentially the number two in the depth chart when he wasn't injured. That signals to me that he has the leg up on Joe Milton and the fact that they haven't had they didn't have a spring to practice as a team, that just there's just less time for I think I think Joe Milton to 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 close that gap. Now, can he do it? Absolutely. I mean, if he comes out, you know, early on in practice and 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 plays out of his mind and looks really well and runs the offense efficiently and everything else and makes the throws, uh, he could certainly be that guy. But it, you know, if I if I'm a betting man and, and I am to some degree. <laughs> uh, I, at this point, I'd put my money on uh, Dylan McCaffrey being starter week one. Now that could change, obviously, if if it turns out you know he struggles early on. Because Michigan's had this case, this situation before. I mean, a couple of years ago, you had you know Brandon Peters and, and John O'Corn and Wilton Spade. There, obviously, Wilton Spade got injured, so but the, the quarterbacks weren't up to snuff. So I'm curious to see where these two end up. A, who's a starter, and, and can they hold the job down uh, for an entire season, assuming one is played. For me, I, I'm looking at, at what, what's the ceiling for each quarterback. I mean, yeah, we've seen Dylan McCaffrey more in game situations, but we've mostly just seen him use his legs. I, I can't re- recall a time where I'm like, wow, that was a good throw by uh, by McCaffrey. I, I just don't know, arm talent-wise, what his ceiling is. And I think if with you know what you could get in, in Milton with with his arm potential, and, and he, he has he's, might, might not be 
as fast or as athletic as Dylan McCaffrey, but he is still a pretty athletic quarterback. And I feel like you could maybe do a little bit more um, with Milton with, with that arm potential too. So it's going to be tough to see, like, do you go with the safer route or do you go with the potential route knowing this could be kind of a lost season anyways. Um, and, and maybe you did the job to Milton knowing that he could be, he has a brighter future um, moving forward as well. So it, it is a, it will be a fascinating battle and uh, it would be nice to maybe, see a few practices and, and kind of gauge for ourselves, but we know that will not happen. So we're just going to have to wait and see what the coaches have to say and go from there. Yeah. I mean, we know with Harbaugh's track record, he's definitely not yeah. afraid to make changes or to yeah, go with the guy that he believes has, has that untapped potential. Obviously, you know, biggest example I'd say would be, you know, Colin Kaepernick uh, during his time with the 49ers replacing very capable, a very productive, uh, effective, efficient Alex Smith. But, you know, he thought the offense could be taken to new heights with it with a different guy. And he was right. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out for Michigan. Of course, the group that's going to be protecting that quarterback, just as important and just as uh, big a question mark, I guess, given what they lost uh, from last year, the offensive line. Yeah, we've hit on this quite a bit already. I mean, they lose four starters at the NFL. Um, they do return Jalen Mayfield, who we mentioned earlier, as a potential first-round pick. He's got big upside. I thought he played relatively well last season, and especially in difficult situations. I thought he had handled himself you know, really well against Ohio State. He played well in the bowl game. Uh, so he's, he's going to be the rock at, at the, on, the, on the right side at right tackle. Um, Ryan Hayes figures to be the starter at left tackle. He, we saw him a lot early on last year um, when, when John Runyon got injured. Uh, they like his upside as well. His ceiling this year is he just hasn't had, you know, the, the reps that, that, you know, had, or offensive line coach Ed Warner would, would have preferred. Um, so, you know, they, again, he loses a spring, loses some development time. So I'm curious to see where he's, how he slides in there at left, at left tackle. He likely will be the starter. The other three spots are really the big mysteries at this point. Jim Harbaugh was asked about the offensive line a few a few weeks ago when we last spoke to him. He threw some names out there, and there and there are a lot of names as as I've mentioned before, um, but they they just haven't been able to, to settle on any guys yet. Um, the center spots look sounds like it's down to two different guys: Zach Carpenter, redshirt freshman, uh, and then a former walk on Andrew Vestardis. He's a little bit older. He's been in the program a few years now, so you see he's a little older and more mature. But what can he handle? Um, the, the center spot because center is, is a very crucial position in the offensive line. It kind of directs the, the offense. It calls out audibles and plays and he recognizes things from the defense. So it's, it's a very crucial part. Cesar Reeds handled it well. Can, yeah, can I, th- he I think the- people, I think people forget how good and how steady Cesar Ruiz was throughout his career. I mean, that is a huge loss for Michigan. And yeah, like you said, those two guys have very little starting experience. That, that concerns me, right? The interior of this offensive line is really, that's my biggest concern moving into, into this year is how they're going to gel and, and how they're, how they're going to develop without much time to really work together on the field during this, during the spring and in the, and in the fall here. So yeah, that, that's going to be a interesting position to monitor. Two, and then there's two guys at guard uh, that have kind of come up. You got Chuck Filiaga, Carson Barnhart. Filiaga is another guy that's been in the program of fears. He'll be a redshirt junior. Um, he, he has gotten some reps in the past, hasn't really been a starter, but they've been waiting on him to kind of blossom and develop in that starting role. Ed Warner, in a way, kind of called him out last year saying it's, it's, you know, it's, it's his time. Uh, it's do or die for for um, Chuck Filiaga. So I think he's the front runner, at least as started at guard spot, whether he ends up there remains to be seen. Barnhart is a guy who had Warner brought up a ton last year in camp. And as the season went on, he felt like he's really developed and he's probably ready to get a shot. 
Now, whether he's ready to be a full-time starter remains to be seen because you can remember, I mean, this is, this would be now the second year of Josh Gaddis spread offense, speed and space offense, and they're still trying to get acclimated to. So not only are these guys trying to get acclimated to being first-time starters in the offensive line, but they got a new quarterback behind them. So it's going to be a tricky situation for the offensive line, how quickly they can gel and, and show that they can protect the quarterback, I think will benefit uh, Michigan's offense in 2020. All right, so that's the offensive line, and we had the quarterbacks. But, you know, there are some other position groups or, or key players, uh, you know, to watch uh, compared to, to given what they lost last year. And, yeah, Aaron, again, you know, from your story, Josh Uche and Kalik Hudson, you know, were two of the players that, you, you know, you did mention uh, specifically that Michigan will have to, uh, you know, will maybe if not have a hard time replacing, it will be important for them to, you know, come close to replacing what those guys brought. Why did you say that? Well, Michigan, I think Michigan's defense, by and large, would be okay this year. I mean, they got three stars back on the defensive line. I think, but presuming Christian plays, he'll he'll I think settle in pretty well at, at tackle on the inside, um, and the secondary is pretty pretty good, pretty set. They got some talented guys coming back: Ambry Thomas, Dax Hill. Um, the linebackers, particularly the depth, is the question mark here. Um, you know, Josh Ross and Cam McGrone are both back. McGrone, I think, has a, has a high ceiling, as we've talked about before. Um, but it's going to be that those package guys, and when I say guys, I, I'm wondering if there will be multiple because in previous years there have been. But this year, I don't know if they have they have the the personnel. Um, the one, but the one guy that has come up time and again when we when we talk to teammates and coaches is Michael Barrett. Um, he's projected to be the next Viper, taking over for Kali Cutson. Um, hybrid is a lot, the hybrid uh, safety linebacker position in Michigan's unique kind of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's in line to fill that spot. Um, but Michigan necessarily doesn't have the uh, next guy up when it comes to, to rushing the passer. Josh Uche filled that role very well last year and the year before. Um, you know, Barrett could take on some of those duties um, this year. I could see him maybe playing all three, you know, the edge rusher, linebacker, safety. But, you know, Viper historically under with Jabril Peppers and, and Khalid Hudson have been more of the, the, all, th- the all three guys. So, but, it's, I'm curious to see how Barrett develops. We've heard a lot about him. Even the, guy, the guys that were going out last year, we asked Khalid Hudson about it. Um, Josh Uche mentioned Michael Barrett, too. They're really high on him. Uh, he's going to be a redshirt sophomore, 6'2", 227. So he's got, he's got good speed and, and good athleticism. And he, he showed some things last year, um, especially on special teams. But now he's got to translate that to the football field in, in, every, in every down roll. Because keep in mind, Khalid Hudson was on the field a ton last mm-hmm. year, the last three years. I mean, almost every snap he was on the field. So Don Brown looks for, is looking for a guy that can, that can do, all, do everything um, and, and be good at it. And, and Mike, I'm wondering if, if Barrett can be that guy. Yeah, no, um, it's absolutely worth worth watching there. Are there any other players or position groups, you know, Ryan, that you you wanted to to mention? I've I've got one for sure, but yeah, I mean, not necessarily an individual position group, but I think this another primary concern is just the overall inexperience with this team. I think uh, uh, Phil Steele brought up a, a good point a few a couple of weeks ago when Aaron talked with them. Michigan is one of the least experienced teams in all of college football, and in a unique season like twenty twenty is shaping out to be, I feel like teams will benefit, experienced teams, uh, veteran teams will exp- or, uh, benefit more from having those um, guys that have previous playing experience and, and that leadership. Uh, and I, I'm not seeing much depth from, from Michigan in a lot of positions, which I think you're definitely going to need in 2020 with, with COVID and um, with a shortened or uh, no spring practice, and I mean, there's a potential for more injuries. I know in the NHL, when they've ramped up quickly, there's been more injuries. The MLB, there's been more injuries. 
Um, so I'm not sure if, if football might follow that, that same path. Um, so I, I'm not too excited about the depth Michigan has at, at many positions at this point, um, besides maybe maybe running back. So sure. I was going to mention the wide res- wide receivers um, because you have you know you have Ronnie Bell and uh, Nico Collins back from last year, and they're you know upperclassmen, and they're the they're, they were the most productive guys you know by a wide margin as far as as far as yardage, and they were the top two guys as far as receptions too. You know if you go down the line from last year, the the other guys whether you want to go by catches or, or yards it's all guys who aren't here anymore, despite what the uh, most up-to-date Michigan roster says on their website, Donovan people Jones, he's not here anymore. Uh, Tariq black. And then you've got Nick Eubanks. He's here, but you know, he's a tight end. So it's a different position group, uh, Sean McCune tight end and he's gone. So then you've got guys with, you know, single digit catches, you know, showed flashes, um, you know, young players and kind of, you need at least one of those guys to step up. So who, who will it be? And, you know, fine to feel the, you know, best guess from, from you guys here, if you want, but you know, Mike Sandra still, um, Giles Jackson, Cornelius Johnson, freshman, AJ Henning, like there, there are options there, but unproven options, you know, who, who's it going to be? Cause you don't, you know, you, it's always nice to have that, you know, third or fourth, the, the more, you know, weapons you have out there, the better. And I think that's where the, the lost spring is going to hurt Michigan to your point, Ryan, with the depth issue. I, I do think those guys are going to get opportunities. All, all those receivers you mentioned, Andrew, um, you know, Giles Jackson is, is, primed to, to break out at some point, whether it's going to be this year or maybe it'll be delayed a little bit because of the lack of an off season remains to be seen. But I, I Josh Gaddis is really high on all those guys. He, mm-hmm. he brought, they, they really fit his mold of an offense where they can, um, they're, they're slot guys, they're speedy guys. They're some, by some standard smaller than the average receiver, especially the type of receivers Michigan's been bringing in of, of late recently. So they're going to get opportunities. And I think they fit the offense. It's just a matter of a, can they get on the, same page as, as a quarterback, whoever that is, and gel quick enough to make an impact. Again, the season has been shortened to 10 games. Um, they had no offseason. So it, and you saw how long it took for Michigan's offense to kind of gel as a whole last year with all these experienced returners coming back. So I'm curious to see how what they fit in. And those are all great points both of you brought up. Um, Ryan, you talk about the lack of depth, but the one position, especially in offense, where I think they have the depth, and you mentioned the running backs. The running back room is crowded right now. I'm most curious to see where Chris Evans fits in too. I mean, he's uh, arguably one, probably the most experienced of the bunch. He's back. You know, he played uh, a couple of years before he left, where he was suspended last year. Where he fits into that offense and how how much production they get out of him and how many, how many carries he gets, I'm, I'm curious to see because he could he could certainly bring, help bring that running back room to another level. But uh, it's going to depend on a his game shape and whether and how quickly he can adapt to a, a little bit different offense than what he was accustomed to when he was in Ann Arbor a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Well, it all starts August 7th, uh, you know, kind of a more official practices. And this isn't just for Michigan. You know, these are NCAA rules that were in place. Things got delayed, of course, um, you know, because of COVID, uh, but they're except for Ohio state. They're starting Thursday. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that, how that works. They're, they're start, I think their first game September 3rd. Early. So they did. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah. That makes sense. Thank you. Yes. That's, Yes. All right. Yeah. I'm sure it's a number, number of days before your, yeah, your first game. There you go. Uh-huh. Sorry, Jim Harbaugh didn't think that was legal either. And <laughs> that's a, reportedly called out Ryan day for starting early on, on a media or big 10 uh, coaches conference call, but oh, well, for another day. Early. There you go. Well, and it, <laughs> it will be played earlier too. more uh, fodder for, for a different episode of the Wolverine confidential podcast. So thank you very much for listening.